Great to be with you today, Bear Valley Church. Great singing. Uh, Micah, good job holding down the fort. Uh, Zach is not here today. Uh, he did not get fired. He did not get fired. Uh, we love him too much to fire him. No, he's away on vacation, and I'm thankful for Micah standing in and uh, rallying the crew uh, to lead us this morning. Until the first service, sometimes uh, we get spoiled around here because when it comes to our music, um, they make it look so easy. And I just want to tell you, it's not easy. You could not do it. You could not do it. Um, and they make it look easy, and we're so thankful for them and uh, leading us. It's, we have stuff to sing about, and so uh, it's great. It's been said uh, that behind every uh, good man is a great woman, and that's true for my life. Uh, today is my 30th anniversary. Um, it's been a real challenge for me uh, to be married. No, not at all. Um, it's, uh, it's wild. You know, many of you are, feel like this about your lives, and maybe, maybe you're the same, where it doesn't feel like that long. It doesn't feel like that long. Um, and uh, Rebecca and I, at times, will start charting out what's happened in our marriage, and we go, oh, wow. Uh, it sounds more like the great theologian Ozzy Osbourne, uh, where he said, rolling off the rails on a crazy train, you know. And uh, I, I, I look at that, and I, I just see God's faithfulness to uh, me uh, for for him giving her to me, and uh, what a blessing it is to be married for 30 years. Um, I realize some of you have been married much longer, and uh, so in your, in your eyes, I haven't done much yet, uh, but in other, other, other of you are going, 30 years, that's a long time. Anyways, so we're super, super thankful. Thanks, babe. Um, and we are going to go away. Um, we're going to Go out to Catalina and then on to Coronado a little bit. So anyways, um, turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 42. And as you, as you turn there, I, I just want to ask you this question. How many of you have issues? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Some of you aren't raising your hand. Uh, that is your issue. <laughs> Everybody else knows it and they're going, what's wrong with that? That's the problem. Uh, um, I, I think that that is part of our church, to be honest with you. Uh, one of the things that I think God has, has done for us is made us a church that uh, we want to acknowledge that uh, we have problems and most of the time we are the problem. And, uh, and so, you know, I want to talk about these things. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to acknowledge that. And I think that uh, in self-righteousness, sometimes we... When we, when we present a question or somebody asks you, you say, yeah, there are some people who have issues. There's one, there's one, there, my, my spouse, for sure, you know, uh, they have problems. And um, I, I just want to tell you that today, as you think about what's going on in your life, I don't want you to think about uh, your mother or your father or your brother or your sister or your spouse or your kids. I want you to think about your neighbor or somebody else in church. I want you to think about yourself. And as you think about yourself, I want you to think about the present worst problems, problem, problems that you have. Um, there should be one. 
There should be one that stands out usually, or maybe there's two, or maybe there's three or a handful. Don't go over a handful because it gets complicated, okay? It's not that they're not there. We'll just deal with those another day, okay? Uh, But really fixate on what it is that uh, bothers you, what it is that bothers you, what it is that keeps you up at night, what is it that... um, really is uh, some of the issues that you struggle with day to day, presently, presently. And maybe that can be what you apply, what we're going to talk about today. Um, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from chapter 42 and 43. Okay, we're going to take those together this morning, and hopefully you'll see why by the end of our time. God's word says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, uh, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession. To the house of God, uh, with cloud, uh, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan uh, and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep and the roar uh, of your waterfalls. All all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. But by day, uh, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer uh, to God, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I, do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Uh, let them lead me and let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God, we thank you for this time, and we ask that you would focus us in on our problems and how you have solved them in, the, in yourself. And God, I, I pray that you would um, 
help us sort out what's going on in our life right now and realize the places we've invested that we shouldn't have, the places we've hoped in that we shouldn't have. God, thank you for your word. May it guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've shared this with you before about the Psalms, and I'll keep talking about it for a while just because I want you to get it in your head. Uh, a, A Psalm usually has a present problem or a present enemy. In this passage, it doesn't tell us a lot about the problem, but it acknowledges their enemies pushing in. And, and even heckling a little bit and saying, where is your God now? Where is your God in the midst of difficult times? So, so there's a present problem or enemy. And, and then I, I want to say this to you now. Some of you are non-feelers here. You're, you, you know, mindless automatons, computers uh, that work, have no feelings, no soul, no heart. Um, you are the original AI. Um, But the reality is most of us, actually all of us, you just are faking it. Um, You you have present problems and and then the psalmist talks about what he thinks about that or what he feels or or how it makes his life. And and as we talk about this, I just want to say this. Um, Your feelings or what you think about your life are not inspired by God. They're not inspired by God, okay? That's for some of you here this morning. That may be the big takeaway. You say, well, I feel, just feel this way. Okay, nice. But those feelings are not inspired by God, okay? The second thing I want to say is your feelings aren't inspired, but they are still your feelings, right or wrong, Okay? And so the psalmist, as he goes through this, he's going to do this. And, and this is true for most all the psalms. There's the, the problem or the enemy. And then uh, what's going on in the thoughts and heart and feelings of the psalmist as he's going through this difficult time or, or feelings. And then lastly, this is almost every psalm, it goes like this. The character of God applied to that situation. To that situation. And so this morning, uh, you want to learn about God in here, God in here, and how that applies to that one, two, three, or less than five issues that you got going right now, okay? Um, and so this is an exciting day. Uh, this particular psalm, some commentators have, have labeled it uh, depression and the person of God or, or some, some form of using the word depression. And when I think of the word depression and, and what that is, I know that cancer is a big deal. Some of you have had cancer. I've, I've had some things removed. Um, cancer or maybe heart disease or, or things like that. And those are big deals. Those are big killers, right? But I would say this, the most prolific thing that I see as a pastor that I hear about all the time, that I see it in people's lives, is depression. And, and what I want to tell you just at the outset of our time is as pastors and elders, we're here. We're here. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. We want to counsel with you. We want, we want to uh, help you with the, the problems of your life. And, and, and we have problems too, and that we need the help of others as well at times. And so 
I want to say that at the outset. As we say that, I want to say this thing too. Um, You have people sitting right around you that can help you counsel you as well. Just normal people. And if you're struggling and you don't want to come to the pastor or the elders, look around you. Look around you and say this. Oh, there's someone older who loves God, knows his word. I bet you they would have something to help me. I bet you they could help me. And I want to tell you, if, if you've walked with God a while, if, you, if he saved your soul, if you know, and, and know the scripture, you're ready. You're ready. And so share what you know. Don't share what you don't know. And don't share what you, you read on the internet or whatever. Like, share what you know. And pray for that person because you, God has given you all you need. Um, so I, I want to say this, and I wanna, don't want to go on too long. I probably went on too long in the first service, and I'll probably even go on longer about this in the second service. Um, some of you are thinking right now, you're saying to yourself, well, I don't want to go to the pastor. He knows me. And I don't want anyone to, who knows me to help me with my problems. I purposely said how dumb that was, right? You know, do you see how dumb that is? I, I, so, so you say, well, what's your other option? You say, oh, okay, I'll just reach in my pocket and I'll pull out my insurance card and, and I'll call some call center on the back and I'll say, I need help with my life. And they go, what was your number again? What was your number again? Oh, Okay, this is your number. We'll send you to some random guy that doesn't care anything about you, doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, and they'll help you with your life. And the reason they can help you with their life is because they went to some godless school and, and read books. They read books about dead guys who hated God, who hated God, and don't care about you, but they can help you as well. Think about that. And so I, I know that sounds rough for some of you. Some of you right now are arguing with me in your mind. That's okay. I've been argued with before. But I, I just want to tell you this. Um, and, and you have been helped by going to uh, people who hate God and they, they helped you. And that, that, that's not, I'm not discounting that. I'm they maybe have made you functional again and given you some tip or hack on life that has made it a little bit easier to live. I, I'm not discounting that. I, I'm not discounting that at all. But um, as you talk about how you were helped, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? You say, well, you should, you should have my insurance plan, Kaiser. That should make you nervous, by the way, that their name is Kaiser. Um, <laughs> I'm German, I know stuff. Uh, but um, I, 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 Kaiser, I got this great guy, and Kaiser, he, he, you know, and you could say he hates God, and, but he's like really helpful with the things of life. Um, I, I want to encourage you that the end of your life, the, both the, the victories and the failings, that you want God to receive all the glory, your creator, that he is the one that helps you through life. And in the end, I want to tell you that uh, not the Kaiser, not anybody is going to help you um, as he takes you to heaven. So anyways, I'm done with that.
Uh, we want to know and love you. God does know and love you. And so I, we want to encourage you with that. Um, we, we will do what we can. We'll walk with you. We'll pray for you. Psalm 42. Are you ready? As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and appear before God? As you read that first part, you're going to see the drought. We're going to go down through verse 5. And, and this is the drought. He's speaking of the drought of his own soul. And he, he equates it to a deer. And he's not talking about deer from Bear Valley for sure. Do you know about the deer from Bear Valley? This is like the promised land for deer right here, okay? They're protected. They're protected. They have these beautiful lakes that they can come down. And I think of the elk and the elk go. Elk are so funny around here. They're like, uh, you know, be, watch out for the wildlife. And it's not watch out for the wildlife because they'll attack you. It's that they are like the kings and queens here. And everyone else has to live around them, right? You know, and that's how that works. And the reason it's a flowing of land and milk and honey is because they have, you know, the deer have their own lakes and they have their own golf course and they have their own baseball field and they have their own roads and we stop, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to take your road. Um, and, um, and you people are so kind and you found your places, you, you plant gardens for them and, uh, and uh, trees and stuff like that. If you look back in the scripture, that is the the promised land, right? You, you know, you'll go and eat from gardens you didn't plant and stuff like that. That's what the deer are doing right now. This, the deer, the picture here is deer in the desert or in the, uh, in the place of Bible times and the idea of having predators. And so you can picture the deer uh, going for miles without water and they're, they're tired and they're thirsty and they may have been running and uh, you know, getting out of the way of predators, and they finally find that, that spring, and they're, they're panting, and they're thirsty, and the psalmist says, that's me, that's me, that's my soul. In, in the present situation, my soul is panting and, and, and wanting and not being satisfied. He goes on in verse 2, he says, my soul thirsts. My soul thirsts, but I want to point out something, verses 1 and 2, and he, he's going to say it again. He says, my soul pants, or, or uh, as a deer, my soul pants for what? What does my soul pant for? God. And as you read the psalmist, some of his feelings, thoughts uh, about his situation are wrong. They're, they're scripturally wrong, but they're in there so that we would know. It's inspired wrongness, if you can say it that way. But let's not think too hard on that. It may give us a headache. But the psalmist includes his wrong thinking about God. But uh, in the midst of this, he knows what's right. And what does he say? Uh, so, so pants my soul for you, O God. The next line. My soul thirsts for God. Once again, the next line. For the living God. He's going to go on to say it again. When you find yourself empty inside, when you find yourself in critical times of depression and this, what do you need? What do you need? I need my pills. 
That didn't sound right. Coming out of my mouth. Please don't clip that out of my sermon and then make like a short or something like that, TikTok or whatever. My pastor was saying something brilliant. Look, you know, and uh, he said, give me my pills. Give me the bottle. Man, I had a tough day. I need a bottle of wine. I need a stiff drink. Maybe it's food. So depressed. Give me a bucket of ice cream. The deer uh, thirsted for water because that would quench its thirst. And he equates his own soul as being in that place. And he says, I know what it is. I need God. I need God. And then the third time he says, I need the living God. The living God. I, I, I want to just point out, I don't think it's a huge point, but I think it's an important one. He doesn't need just any God. There's, any, there's all kinds of gods. He's saying, I need the one that's alive and working. I, I need the God of the scriptures that's in, involved in the intimacy of my life, who sees me, who, who created me and is involved in me. That's the God I need, and I need him now. I'm panting for it. I'm thirsting for it. In the midst of this personal drought that I'm in, this is the situation for me. I'm like a deer, a thirsty deer. I'm panting. I'm, I'm thirsting for God, for the living God. He asks the question, and part of his questioning is longing for that day and longing for things to come to resolution. In the end of verse 2, he says, when shall I come and appear before God? When's my appointment? When's the next day? When's the soonest I can get in? I need some relief now. I need to know and hear from God. Verse 3, he tells more about his situation. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Uh, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? He, he says his tears have been food. And if you think about your, uh, I don't want to get too personal, but do you, have a, um, do you have a relationship with food? Do you have a relationship with food? Do you have a, a kind of a, a schedule with food? You get up in the morning and you do what? You have some breakfast. And then, you know, it's, you know, you get up in the morning. I don't know what time you get up. I don't want to know. You know, it's none of my business, nor is it any business of you. Anyways, uh, you have breakfast and then gets to be about 10 o'clock, 1030. If you're good union people, you got to have a coffee break, right? You have a coffee break, but in that coffee break, you need a little snack too, right? You have a relationship with food. Then you have lunch, and then you have a second snack, and then you have dinner, and then you have dessert right right before bed. Whatever it is you have that's food. And you would say, you would say, I'm hungry for food. You know, some of you have a an internal clock. You don't need a watch or your phone or anything. You just go, ah. Must be time for dinner. I'm feeling a little hungry. And you're saying, I can't live without it. I can't live without food. It feels like this is what's getting me through the day. And he says something very interesting, and, and, and it doesn't fit. He says, my tears have been my food. And I, I have to believe that um, as he's talking about that, in place of food, which gives him energy, his tears have been present in that kind of schedule type thing. He can't get away from it. His tears have been his food. And he says, day and night. It wasn't just at the three times a day I cry. 
but his tears had been ongoing day and night. And it says, while they say to me all day long, and it's not necessarily, but I want to point something out here. The way it's translated here, it might feel like the tears themselves have been saying to him, and they might be. And why am I crying again? And my tears are reminding me, but they're probably reminding him of someone who has said something to him that he is repeating in his mind. Where is God? Where is God? And so in this, you have the enemy, probably the one that caused the problem, saying to you, you know, hey, you're trusting in God, or, or you, you say God has relationship with you. Where is he now? Where is he now in the midst of those problems that I had you bring up earlier? Where is he now? And, and as you hear sometimes people mocking like that, what happens when you're by yourself and you're crying, your tears remind you and you start saying, well, you know, like so-and-so said, where is my God right now? Where is my God? Verse four, he says, these things I remember, not necessarily the good things, right? The tears and the things that are going on and the questions about God. These things I remember When? As I pour out my soul. You'll hear this too in the midst of these two psalms is their prayers. I I say prayers. Most of the time when we think of prayers, we think of nice things we want to tell God. And they're very, you know, formulas. And we want to say this, we want to say that. In this psalm and in others, there's this sense of like bursting out, crying out for help. They're not fancy words. They're not eloquent. There's no poetry in them. They're just crying out to God. And he says, this is what I've been doing. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And he he describes an event or a time or a period or a series of events, how how I would go with the throng, a bunch of people, and lead the procession, a group of people kind of in parade type fashion, and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad, glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. He describes a time where he was either the music leader or the leader of a group that was heading on kind of pilgrimage to the house of God. And they were going to worship God. And as they were going, there were shouts of joy. It was an exciting time. It was a party, if you will. As they were moving, they were singing. And he was a part of it. And and some of you can think of a time where you were involved in that. Maybe it was a camp. Maybe it was a, a crusade of some sort. Maybe it was here on Sunday morning. I don't know. And you say, boy, it was a great time. I remember the the I was exuberant. You know, I was excited. I, I was thankful. There were shouts of joy. There were songs of praise. And it was fun and exciting. And he said, but it's not today. But it's not today. One of the difficulties of being an old man as opposed to being a young man is this. As a young man, you go, man, I'm just getting better. I'm just getting better. And you can picture a young man, I think of Micah or Zach or any of the young man, my son Caleb, and, and they're young and in ministry. They're young. And, and there's a sense of like, hey, you know, I'm young. I'm just getting into it. But, but there's a certain thrill to that. There's a certain thrill to that and, and joy of singing and, and worshiping God in truth. 
But then after that, after that, there comes this time of darkness or depression or failure. And this is where the psalmist is, and he's looking back and he goes, I remember the good old days when things were good and I was worshiping and it seemed great. And it's kind of haunting me as I remember that those good times. I used to be a leader, but now I find myself struggling in a similar way to just anybody. And then he says this in verse 5. And I want to tell you, it's in verse 5, it's in verse 11, and it's in verse 5 again. Three times he's going to say this, you know, almost verbatim. Verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He asked two questions. After his tears had been food, after he remembered the good old days when he was leading, he he starts speaking to himself. Now, how many of you talk to yourself? Okay. So you didn't want to acknowledge it. Okay. How many of you talk to yourself verbally? Verbally. How many of you talk to yourself internally? You know, you try to keep it, you kind of try to seem sane. Others of you aren't trying. You're not even trying. Um, you're talking to yourself. Everyone talks to themselves. There's a voice within them. Uh, when you have multiple voices and they're arguing, that's when you're in trouble, okay? Um, but, but this is what I, I want to tell you is this. In this psalm, in this psalm, You have these three repeated things where the psalmist is speaking to himself, soul to soul, or one soul to the same soul, okay? He speaks to himself, and I want to say this, and and Rebecca has helped me with this. She says it many times to myself and to um, our kids, and I'm sure our grandkids are going to get to hear it too. What you see here is we're not to listen to ourselves. We're supposed to speak to ourselves. Don't listen to yourself and speak to yourself. I want to be real careful with that. Um, listening to yourself is just whatever thought comes up in your mind, that's what you're going to listen to. And, and what I want to tell you is this. You and I... I'm assuming you, I know myself, have a bunch of crazy thoughts, a bunch that you should not listen to. And, and there's thoughts that come up in your mind and you, you, they're, they're crazy and they, they don't make sense and they're sinful and they're wrong and they come up in your mind and you go, and, and some of you go back to the, you think they're inspired. Well, I just think this. You're wrong. Your mind is wrong. The voice that you've been listening to is wrong. So, so this, this is it. Don't listen to yourself. Speak to yourself. But th- I want to take it one step further. Speak truth to yourself. Speak truth to yourself. If you speak to yourself, but it's lies, you're in a mess. I'm in a mess. In the midst of the difficulty of this life. If you speak lies to yourself, you're gonna, it's going to come out. There's all kinds of things that will ruin your life. It will come out in your actions. Um, I, I want you to follow this thinking. He, he's going to ask two questions. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? 
I want you to think about the answers to those questions right now. When you, in the midst of those problems that you have and the discouragement that comes as you think about those problems, why are you downcast? Why, why does that make you downcast? Why does that bring turmoil to your soul? How would you answer that? Uh, I, I want to give you some things. First of all, it's self-contemplation, self-examination. He, he's, this isn't going to the counselor, not even you know, at your medical group or whatever. It's not going to the pastor. He's, he's asking this question of himself. He, he's saying, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And, and why am I in such a mess right now? What's the answer? Why did, you know, this is inspired questioning, I tell you this right there. What is, what is the answer? What, what is supposed to come out of these questions? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Well, let me say the, the first answer. It's because I'm bankrupt. It's because I'm bankrupt. You say, bankrupt? Yeah. What's bankruptcy? When you're out of money. When, when your, your debts and your resources, when the resources are gone and the debts are still there. And, and this, I, I, I want to say this. Depression should not be surprising. Should not be surprising. Because we are not significant for our problems. We are not as significant as our problems. And so when you find yourself downcast and you find yourself in turmoil, it's meant to draw you as God would draw you in self-examination to personal bankruptcy. It's always interesting, you, you know, you go through a game or a situation or a war or something and the, you say, why did we lose? Why did we lose? Why did we lose the game? And after self-examination, you go, oh, it's because we didn't play very well. It's because of me, the player. The, the reason I'm struggling, the re it's because of me. And what you should find in the midst of your problems is this, that your problems are bigger than your personal resources. I want you to think about that. Most of us say, well, I'm in this problem. And you say, well, you know, I got my medical card. I got, I got my connection to the internet. I'm going to do some self-diagnosis. You know, Google's got the answers to my problems of my life. You know, you, you start searching and you go, I'm just going to figure this out. And what you should figure out as you search for things is my problems are bigger than my personal resources. And I want to say this, probably the simplest answer for these two questions, why am, I, why am I cast down? Why am I downcast? And why is there turmoil within me? I've forgotten God. I've forgotten God. The, the mess of my life, and the, you know, as complicated as I think it is, and there's so many different elements to it. It's where I've been and what I've done and what I'm connected to, and I, I got all these things. What, the simplest answer, the, the most conclusive, uh, perfect answer is this. I have forgotten God. 
Because if you have a relationship with God, you have everything that you need. You have forgiveness. You have strength for today. You have wisdom for for the issues of life. You have an eternal security that after the, the difficulties and failures of this life that you will go be with him forever. I've forgotten God. Which makes it like following off, falling off a log what he says next. In the midst of verse 5, he says this. Why is there this turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. And he'll say it three times, and it's this exclusive, I'm not going to hope in myself, I'm not going to hope in the answers on the internet, I'm not going to hope in anything, I'm going to hope in God. My creator, the one who made me, the one who has a plan, the one who's sustaining me, the one who has resources and joy, he's the one I'm going to hope in. And it's interesting how this goes on, and he he says in verse 5, he says, hope in God, and then what? For I shall again praise him. Remember, he remembered himself praising God. And then he goes, man, I'm in this terrible spot now. But he says, when I hope in God, guess what? I'll begin to praise him again. And I'll find him to be what? My salvation and my God. Um, I, I, I don't want to belabor this, but, you know, how, how, did, how did somebody goes through a tough time and uh, they get through it and Somebody says, well, how'd you get through it? Michelob light. You know, I I was drinking every night, and it made me forget, and that's how I got through it. You know, uh, what was it? Well, you know, I I just had a really good doctor, a really really good doctor, and he got me through it. He got me through it. You know, and you connect it to things that aren't God, less than God, not God, and... God's standing there and he says, I I have everything you need. Hope in God. Hope in God. The praises will flow. You'll find him to be a savior, your savior, both eternally and and in this life. My God, my God, my salvation and my God. We go on. uh, And now we see the depths, the depths of overwhelming. And and I I know we struggle with this word. I, I know I hear this word. I'm so overwhelmed. And you're going to see this pictured in this next section, overwhelmed. And, and what it is, it's, it's not just one thing. It's usually a series of things, and they're kind of playing against you. I, I, I want you to see this um, because I, I think it, it, it's how we feel, and it's how the psalmist felt. Uh, verse 6, he says this, My soul is cast down within me. My, my soul is cast down within me. He just said, you know, why am I downcast? Now he says, my, col- my soul is cast down within me. I-, I want you to get this. And we do this weird thing. Um, how's it going? How's it going? How you doing today? We, we ask questions like this. And it- it's just a pleasantry, right? It's kind of just being nice. And, and uh, uh, what if, you know, if, if you answered Truly, how's it going? My life's terrible. I feel awful. Barely got out of bed this morning. Been crying a lot. The psalmist, I want you to get this, the reality of it. The psalmist says this. He says, uh, he wonders why his soul is that way. And then the next verse, he says, my soul is cast down within me. This is the present state. 
This is how it's going in reality. I, I want to encourage you not to share this with everybody, right? Uh, if somebody asks you how, you're go- how it's going and you're, you know, you're in the checkout line, they're the checker, they're scanning your bananas, right? There you got your you know, chili, bananas, bread, whatever it is. Hey, how's your day going? Terrible. Hate my life. Been crying all day long. Have a great day. <laughs> Paper or plastic, you know. Uh, they don't have anything for you, right? Uh, but the reality is that this many times is the present state of our soul. And as he looks, as you, you walk through this, he, he casts a picture. He shows us a picture. He says, uh, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you, God, uh, from the land of Jordan and Hermon and from Mount Mizar. And you picture a man standing, looking at the mountains. And the mountains are glorious, but it also makes you feel small, right? And he's looking at his problems and maybe the mountains. And he's looking and he says, he, he's looking at it and he goes, I, I, I don't know. This is where I'm at. Verse 7, he says, deep calls to deep and at the roar of your waterfalls. All, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Verse 7 describes the, the water feeling, the water feeling, the drowning feeling. Deep calls to deep at the roar of the waterfalls. And there, there's this idea of not just one waterfall, but the waters and waters and waters. It's like it's the waters are a coordinated conspiracy to drown me. Uh, I, I know most of us are from California, from Southern California, we remember that day, you know, when we thought we were going to go surfing or that day when we were, you know, you know, bodyboarding or, you know, we, we don't need it. We'll just go natural and we'll just go. And, and, and it seemed like a good idea, right? It seemed like a good idea. And so we went and, and that one wave caught us and kind of tumbled us around and we were sucking in seaweed and foam and whatever else. And then finally we find the surface and we we pop our head up just in time for the next wave to get us. Good times. I remember my brother-in-law said it would be fun. Uh, We were up at uh, where Rebecca's from in Grants Pass, Oregon. And he said, hey, let's take these these kayaks, these Tahiti blow-up things. And it'll be fun, he said. He said it would be fun. And we go on the, the Rogue River, and we're, we're going down there. Most of it was fun, by the way. It was very relaxing. You, you're just, you know, hot summer day, and you're kind of lounging there, and we're going. And, and he said, hey, we're coming up to this little rapid thing here, and, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And all you need to do is follow me. Just do what I did. You, you just follow me right in there. And I said, it's going to be fun. Great. And so as he goes down, and it looked like he had a good time. It really did. And then, then I, I followed him, tried to go exactly how he went. And really, you know, just a little ways in, I got turned around and immediately got out of that Tahiti and bashed my hip on the rock. And, and then I shoot this gap and I go in this water and I'm going to die. I'm going to die in the Rogue River and, and I'm sucking in water and there's foam everywhere and I can't find. And I go, they're, they're just holding me down. And my heart is going like this. And, and I go, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And I pop my head up and he hands me, you know, his uh, oar and I grab hold of it and he pulls me and I go, I thought I was going to die. 
This is the psalmist. That the water, the things of life feel like this conspiracy to drown me that I might die. In, in the psalm, uh, it is recorded God's word. It's inspired by God. It's the problems of life, but also the character of God. I want to tell you that the psalmist knows where his help is going to come from. And in the midst of this, this time of the depths, the overwhelming uh, feeling of his soul, he says this, verse 8. He says, by the day the Lord com- commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, uh, a prayer to the God of my life. And, and I want to I just spend a moment and just say that word hesed, or translated most of the time in the scripture, steadfast love. It's God's love for you. I've said this before. And when God loves you, when you have a relationship with him, he loves you. He just does, period. And his love, some have called it the covenant love, his promised love for you. And his promised love for you isn't, it's not dependent on the weather, not the dependent even on your obedience. It's that he loves you. It's his promised love for you. And I, I want to ask you, when, when do you receive, when do you have, when does God love you like that? When is it? I, I know you're thinking all, oh, but like, I want you to also think times, times. When you're young, when you're young, when things are cruising. And, and, and I want to say this. He earlier said, I remember the good old days, how with the throng and lead the procession in the house of God and glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Verse four, that was his day, right? And God's love, his promised love was coming out to him right then. And you think about uh, when God loves you, and you think maybe some of you who are older and you're, you're preparing for death, you, you know it's imminent. You've done the math. It can't go much longer. And so you, you, you're saying, I'm going to die someday, and I, I, I have that sense of like beauty to it and soft landing, and you know, I, I know that it's not long. And so you, you might think of at the beginning or at the end, but I want to tell you this. That the issues of God loving you with his steadfast love are in the midst. In the midst. And what I mean by that is this. They're today. They're today. God's love is sufficient for you today. And every day. You say, Pastor, you don't know about my day. I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea how you're feeling about things. I have no idea how overwhelmed you feel. I, I, I have no idea about any of that. But God does. But God does. And he's the God of the everlasting, steadfast love for you. And so as the psalmist understands his situation, he says, by, by day the Lord commands his steadfast light, love. At night his song is with me, a prayer of God the God of my life, and what he's realizing, and he knows, and this is true in verse 8, that God is the answer to my nights and my days. He's the answer. Verse 9, I I, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
I think that's interesting. He, he says, I know that God's the rock, the answer, but I feel forgotten. I feel forgotten. God is the rock of my life, but I feel forgotten. And then he asks uh, another one of those questions. He says, verse 9, why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Well, we're going to get there, but the enemy seems big and his resources seem small. Um, verse 10, as, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long. Once again, what is it? Where is your God? Where is your God? And when, when the enemy's taunt, where is your God? And you're in the midst of problems, you, you say, uh, let me get back to you on that. And you go in private and this thing bounces around in your head and you say, where, where, where is my God? Where are you, God? I, th- I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do and I thought that you would just do for me what I wanted you to do and it's not here. And so when they taunt, it makes me sense that like maybe they're right. Maybe God has forgotten me. Where is your God? Which leads to his second time where he's going to say, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil with me, within me? Why is that? Why is, uh, actually, I skipped over a part. I want to get this. Verse 10, sorry. He says, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. The, the picture of a deadly wound is this. It's not a flesh wound. It's not a little rash. It's like it's open and the bones are exposed and they're broken and, and stuff's happening and there's blood everywhere and it's excruciating pain. And, and it's one of those things where it's probably not just a, it's probably your femur, right? It's the idea that you, you might die from this or, or some kind of chest wound and stuff like that. And you're going, well, it feels like a deadly boon, wound. And in that, that excruciating wound, in that time where pain is so um, immense, they're taunting and they're saying, hey, where's your God? Where's your God? Looks like he's really helping you now. Where's your God? Well, what does he say? Self-contemplation, self-examination. Why is this happening to me? Why am I cast down? Why am I in turmoil? Why? Because I'm bankrupt. Because I'm bankrupt. Why did I lose the game? It's because of the way I played. Because I wasn't good enough. Because my problems are bigger than my resources. And ultimately, the reason that we are bankrupt is that we've forgotten God. We've forgotten God. And so what's the answer? Middle of verse 11, hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. May he be your only answer. I'm going to trust God on this. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to seek his word. I'm going to seek godly counselors. I'm going to hope in God. I'm not going to believe the crazy thoughts that I have. I'm not going to even believe crazy thoughts that others have told me. I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to hope in God. He's going to be my only hope. Hope in God. And what's going to happen out of hoping in God? Praise him again. Praise him again. Hope in God, 
praise him again, and then what? And then what? You'll find him to be your salvation, a relationship with him. Look at chapter 43. I want you to get this. We'll, we'll get there quickly. In verse 43, he says this, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people for the deceitful and unjust man deliver from the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. What he's saying there is this. He's calling on God to act as the authority, the justice, to bring the hammer, to bring the, the finally justice. And, and this is the tough thing about some of the struggles that we have. There's an issue of justice that isn't coming fast enough. You're trying to do what God wants you to do, but it doesn't seem like it's working. And I want to say that in our immaturity and our childishness, sometimes we go, man, my life's a mess. And you say, well, have you trusted God? Yeah, I went to church last week. What do you, you know? And then this week, I was still in my problems. I want to tell you that that's not hoping in God. That's trying him out. That's like getting a taster at Costco, right? I'll try it. Eh, I'm not in. I'm not in. I'll spread it out. I have a lot of different ideas. Hope in God. He's calling on God in, in verse 1. He says, act as the authority. Vindicate me. Bring the justice. Verse 2. For you are, are the God in whom I take refuge. Why, why have you rejected me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Once again, he asks some questions. He, he, he knows that God is to be his refuge, but he feels rejected. It's kind of like where he said, he's the rock, and then, you know, I, I'm still struggling. Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? Once again, he sees his enemies to be great, and he doesn't know how he's going to get out. Verses 3 and 4, I want to tell you that this is how Uh, counseling should go for you and for me. Whether it's our own uh, working it out in our own hearts, going to a friend who's godly, who knows the scriptures, pastors, elders, whoever it is, this is how it should go. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Okay? Let them, your light and your truth, from God, God's message, God's word, God's spirit, let that lead me. Let that be the thing that guides and directs those next steps. And and by the way, um, counseling is only about next steps, right? It's not the whole enchilada, okay? We're just looking to make some progress, right? We're, We're looking to take steps and uh, for God to settle our own soul down and that we can make a little bit of progress, right? Most of our problems are very old. They're very old problems. And we need to walk our way out of them with the Lord. Verse four, I'm sorry, verse three says, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with lyre, O God, my God. If, so if you can picture this in your mind as a destination, where are you presently? I'm in a mess. I'm in a mess. I'm struggling. My mind's all foggy. I feel like the deer and I feel like being drowned and I feel like it's all a conspiracy and I got enemies heckling me. 
that's where I am now. Where am I going to go and how am I going to get there? Well, light and truth are going to lead me. Well, where are they going to lead me to? End of verse 3 and the rest of verse 4 are all talking about holy hill to your dwelling, the altar of God, and where will, will that lead them? To God himself, to worshiping God. I, I, I want to say this, and I want us to get it. That's the right place. It's not to fix our life for what we want. It's that we would go from being lost in our, our stuff, whatever that is, to being worshipers of God, seeing his goodness and his kindness in the midst of whatever's going on. Um, he is the destination. Once again, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Well, why? Well, that self-contemplation, that self-examination, why are we like this? It's because we're bankrupt. (laughs) Because we lost the, you know, why do we lose the game? It's because we didn't play very well. It's because we're not, the, the resources that we had, our problems were bigger than the resources that we had. And ultimately, we have forgotten God. We've tried to do it on our own. So what's the answer? Hope in God. Hope in God leads to praising again, knowing him as our savior, knowing him as our God. Three things for you, three things, three. Real quickly, remember this, that God has or is the monopoly when it comes to my problems. I struggle with the wording on that. He either is or he has. So so God has the answers to all the problems of your life. He has all of them. Why? Because he's your creator. He's got a plan. He's working it out. He knows what's going on in your life. He he knows all that. And so so God has a monopoly. Like you you can't go any other place. He's the one that that is the one that has the answers for you. But I want to say it this. Because of the passage, it's not that he wants to just give you a book of answers. He doesn't throw this at you and go, that's my answer book. It's not just my answer book. It's, it's me. It's me. God is the monopoly. He, he's the one. He's the answer. But he's also the, the relationship that's meant for you. He's the only one. Secondly, when you think of the problems of your life, I, I want to tell you that the problem is your answer to your problems. Your problem is the answer to your problems. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Let me explain. So back to, you know, what is your answer to the problem of your life? Well, I need to change. I need to change. That's true. How are you going to change? Well, I'm going to make some adjustments in my life. Okay, great. Great. If that's all the farther you go, that's your problem. That's your problem. And, and why are you so confident about that, Pastor? Because you don't have the resources to change. And, and maybe there's something for you. You say, well, you know, I'm going to go to that medical group. Or, uh, by the way, uh, sometimes our problem, there are some problems that have to do with like chemical imbalances and stuff like that. But um, 
I, I, I want to say this. I want you to hear it, okay? If you have a chemical imbalance, if there's something out of whack within you, get another quart. Get another quart. What I mean by that is this. I'm not a great mechanic. I am not a great mechanic. Pop the hood. You pull the dipstick. It's the oil. And you look at it and says, oh, I'm a quart low. What will fix your problem? Mechanics. A quart of oil, right? But someone saying to you, oh, you must have a chemical imbalance. Ask the question, which chemical? I'll get that nutrition or whatever. I'll eat more broccoli or, you know, more meat or something like that. I don't know what it is. But there are things that can, but I want to tell you this. Immediately we say, oh, they, they just need more of this or that or son or this. And I want to say, if that's your answer to the problems of your life, that's the problem. That's the problem. Because uh, the, the problems of your life are not stuff down here. It's found in God. I want to say this last thing. This is my third point. This is my conclusion. Say it again. Say it again. Speak truth to yourself. I find it interesting in this passage that it's like this. Hey, didn't he already say that? (laughs) Didn't he already say that? And then you go to the next chapter and you go, wait, wasn't that in the last chapter? If you're doing this as a daily devotion, you're reading a chapter a day and you're like, oh, and then you're, you're checking your chart and stuff like that. You're like, what, you know, I don't, did I, did I skip? No, it's again, it's again. And why is he saying it again? Why is he questioning again? Because I'm bankrupt. Hope in God. Hope in God. I want to encourage you. It may not seem simple to you, But the answer to the struggles that we have is that in the midst of them, that we would hope in God. God, thank you for this this morning. And I pray as we work this out, Lord, that you give us wisdom wisdom and insight into our own hearts on what we're hoping in. And God, may we be a church, a group of people, individuals that hope in God. That we find our answer in you and you alone. God, thank you for loving us so much with your everlasting love. God, do your work in us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.